Coming up, today's guest is the head of analytics for Exploding Kittens and founder and CEO at Diversity.io. You'll discover must-haves for a successful gaming team, commonly overlooked retention strategies, and why having gender and racial diversity leads to a more successful company. All that and so much more. The most action-packed content from the top mobile experts. This is the App Masters Podcast with Steve P. Young. Pollen DC gives app developers early access to their app store and advertising revenues, enabling them to scale quickly and efficiently without relying on outside funding, and more importantly, giving up their equity. Learn more at pollen.vc. For just one low monthly price, you will discover our greatest growth hacks to driving massive downloads. You can learn more on appmastersacademy.com. What is up, App Nation? It is Steve P. Young, founder of appmasters.com, the place you go when you want action-packed content in the app business because I talk to some phenomenal people, so knowledgeable in the app space so that I and you can collectively learn together and we can grow our collective businesses together as well. I'm a big believer in community and I'm super excited to have this guest on. I messaged him about two years ago to be like, please, Chuka, let me come. Let me interview you. And finally, we got to meet in person at the Adjust event and finally got him on. That's, that's a key. You got to meet him in person. They can't say no to you in person. So I'm super <laughs> excited to have him on. His name is Chuka Ikoku. He is the head of analytics of one of my favorite board games, but also a mobile app called Exploding Kittens. And he's also the founder of Diversity. Really great mission. We're going to learn more about diversity, but you can check it out, diversity.io. So without further ado, the long awaited. Chuka, welcome on. <laughs> Thank you, thank you. I'm I'm uh, I'm honored to be on here. Uh, it definitely has been a long time coming, uh, and I apologize once again. I mean, I don't know how long we're going to have to keep going over this, but yes, I'm never letting go. <laughs> it's so funny because yeah. that you know, it's gone after this. But like, obviously, we, we met in person. I was like, hey, let's connect, and then I was like, we know, kind of, I messaged you already. This is crazy. But anyways, man, let's talk. Let's start with this because I think it's a very important topic. But tell us a little bit about diversity. Sure. So. Uh, you know, m- most of my career has been in the gaming space, uh, pretty much for the last 10 years. And I've almost always been the only person of color at everywhere I've worked. Now, I, I wasn't, it wasn't, a, I didn't feel bad about that, you know, because, uh, you know, when, when we grew up, I grew up in Africa and we weren't really taught to see ourselves as less because of the color of our skin. Uh, and the environment didn't push for that either. So. Uh, I never really felt much of it until, you know, I started to, the, the further I got in the industry, uh, the upper I moved up the ladder and, and just uh, observed around me, it became very obvious. Uh, and, and I think my conscience just started speaking more uh, loudly about the importance of diversity. And then in 2015, a lot of data came out from McKinsey, from MIT, about why diversity is important for business, not just a social mission, but good for bottom line metrics, right? So it can increase revenues, uh, profits, productivity, reduce turnover uh, and, and attrition. And I decided that I wanted to do something about it. I didn't want to just be a complainer 
uh, or, or a spectator, but, you know, decided to pull resources together uh, and partnered with my best friend. And then we, we found diversity. The goal of diversity is just to, to make it easier to find diverse talent. Uh, I don't know if you've ever tried to hire a black person or a woman uh, for a role in, in, uh, in live operations or, or mobile, mobile gaming, but it's not easy. Uh, you're going to have to go all over the place and, and go from network to network. And it's not scalable. So what, what we wanted to do with diversity was create a, a, a central point, a repository for diverse talent so that it's easy for the folks, especially the folks who, who uh, they may not have a personal network of diverse folks, but they, they care about diversity. Uh, the goal was to build something that would be easy for them to use where they can just go find the diverse talent. Yeah, I think, you know, we kind of talked about this before we hit record, but I think representation is so important. And I think during the Just event, I hope you don't mind me bringing this up, but there was a diversity panel and it was more about the women side of things. And you stood up like, hey, you know, this is my mission, but I find myself like being the only African-American here at this event. And I think it's also important to talk about race and being race being a, a part of this whole diversity conversation. Right. Absolutely. Cool, man. Absolutely. Well, congrats. I mean, it's been really cool to be able, how you've been able to sort of balance both and is your mission to primarily talk target like African-Americans, Latinos, like when you say colored, I almost feel like I'm in that realm, but like, what is your sort of primary focus with diversity? Sure. So it's a, the diversity is a big art, you know, versus a science. And someone who feels underrepresented knows it themselves. No one has to tell them, hey, you're an underrepresented person. So our platform actually doesn't discriminate. Uh, a lot of people don't know age discrimination is actually the worst form of discrimination in the tech space. Yeah. It's not color or, or, or um, gender. But we, what we're doing with our platform is making it inclusive. So whether it's because you're disabled or because you're older on average or you're international or you're a person of color, uh, you, you're welcome to the platform. But we know that what we're doing will certainly increase companies' chances of, of having diverse teams. And having diverse teams will, will 100% of the time lead to more profit, you know, more, more revenues and more profits. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's not just we're, we're not like a blacks in tech type of platform. Like it's, it's everyone. I, I, our, the diversity team itself has like 13 different gender and ethnic combinations. Wow. It's crazy. You know, it's pretty it's pretty diverse because, you know, we, we understand the value of, of what that does to a team. And that's something that in the case of Exploding Kittens, I try to help them with, you know, like uh, you don't see a lot of color. In fact, I'm the only black person there, but I think they understand that it's important to factor this in to the company's uh, um, DNA as they, as they grow. That's cool, man. Yeah. I like how you sort of said, Hey, look, anybody that feels underrepresented, that's, that's really cool. I think we live in such a, I mean, a better age. I wouldn't say it's a great age, but like, it's a better age than what I grew up with. And the fact that we're having this conversation, I don't know. I feel like it's very important. And the fact that you're including everybody and you're right, man, like age is a big thing too. Like people don't realize it as well. All right. Well, let's talk about the gaming side. I know that's what most people are here for, but you know, you said one strategy that's really working sure. for you is product analytics. And so like, talk to me about maybe your tech stack or how you guys think about analytics. And then I really want to obviously talk about monetization as well. Absolutely. So uh, analytics is my specialty. Uh, I've always loved numbers. I've lo always loved games. I'm a gamer from day, you know, as soon as I could walk. And, uh, and I've always loved numbers. You know, I've always loved revenue numbers. I've always loved data just in general. So it was, a, it was quite a natural fit and it allowed me to break into 
uh, the gaming space uh, pretty early. Uh, 2008, actually, uh, I, I was one of the early employees at Riot Games uh, here in LA before moving to the Bay Area. And I was I had the privilege of working on game economy and game balancing uh, and, and the monetization scheme. Now, what I also realized is that you cannot see whether what you're doing is working well if you don't see the data for it. And, if, and, and not just see data, but see reliable and clean data. And more often than not, a lot of game teams go straight to the development. You know, they, 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 they build out the game design doc and uh, analytics is playing catch up, right? They've already started, they, they have a playable, the game's working and analytics is playing catch up. Uh, and, and I studied economics in undergrad. So opportunity cost is a very real thing. And the issue with the, 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 in my opinion, one of the biggest issues of mobile gaming is the opportunity cost. Like, if you don't do this, then this won't happen. Uh, you know, people, okay, we have the IP, people can make purchases, we have ads, but there's a lot of money that's always being left on the table, right? And that's why it's called live operations, because you're, you're operating in a live environment and results can happen in real time. So uh, all that said, my, my, my strategy is always to get in as early as possible and look at the analytics and, and just your, your information, the information you're collecting as the single biggest influencer of how profitable your game is going to be. You know, what I always feel about analytics, Chuka, is like, there's so much numbers. Like, do I try to measure everything? Like, so are there some key things that, especially from a gaming perspective, that you always try to measure? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think it's a mystery to... Uh, your average, uh, you know, whether it's like a PM or producer uh, or or um, even even you a manager, but ARM is like the the acronym that we always use: acquisition, retention, monetization, and retention and engagement live in the same world. So it's it's like RM, like acquisition, retention, engagement, monetization, and each of those uh, the standard metrics, but there are some that are also unique to the application of the game itself. So of course, you, you know, as far as acquisition goes, the thing you care about mostly is, do I, do I know where my users are coming from? And do I know if they're coming profitably, right? Like what my best sources are so I can optimize towards that. So the LTV or the, the return on ad spend is the big thing we would always care about for UA. From a retention and engagement standpoint, obviously the retention metrics, day one, day three, day seven, 1430, uh, the session length, are, are people actually coming to use your app? Uh, and if they're coming, are they, coming for a fairly long period of time? Are they just coming for one second and bouncing? Uh, you know, you care about the session length and the number of sessions. Uh, and then also on the monetization side, of course, how, how, how many of them are starting to pay, you know, or what is the value that they're bringing, whether it's an ad revenue uh, and LTV um, and, or, or uh, ARBDAO, which, you know, is, is essentially your daily, daily revenue. A long time ago, some people would calculate the number of the average number of days a user comes to your game, like over the course of 30 days, and then multiply that by the average revenue per daily active user, and then that's like your your back of the envelope LTV. So if you have a rough sense of how profitable each of your users is uh, and how many users you have, then I think it can, it can help you uh, determine the value of your game overall. But remember, again, it's very live operations driven, so it's not just fire and forget but it's a lot of iteration. Like, okay, let's try this and see if this works. And let's try that and see if that works. And then from a tech stack perspective, are you using things like adjust to try to figure all this stuff out? Yes. So um, tools, 
uh, I, I'm, you know, there, there's hundreds of tools out there, of course, yeah. but for me, I've just made it simple. Uh, my mom always says that the devil, you know, is, is always better. So for, for acquisition, adjust is the go-to, uh, you know, there's, there's obviously adjust is not the only player out there, but that is my player. Uh, it works. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Uh, they, they're also evolving a lot of their services. So that, that's the number one thing I look for. It's not just, oh, this is our tool and take it as, as you see it. You know, it's, it's more like, okay, this is our tool, but we're, we're going to constantly improve and make life easy for you. So we use that for acquisition. For analytics, uh, Snowflake is, is, the, the, is, my also, is my go-to there because they also allow you to store raw data and then they, have, they give you the SQL querying interface uh, to access that data as well. And then, of course, it has connectors, you know, so it can connect to your visualization tool like uh, Tableau, which is what I use. Tableau is my favorite. Uh, there, there are also other streaming SQL players out there like Materialize.io, um, Implied.io, uh, and, and some, some that build the visualization in the, the data storage like uh, Periscope but, or, or Looker even. But um, I, I keep it simple again. Snowflake gets you the raw data. Uh, you can store the raw data in Snowflake and then also query it and then send it to your visualization tool. Uh, and then for monetization, monetization is the, that, that's like the biggest, uh, the trickiest area because there are a lot of tools there that help you optimize your monetization. But, you know, it, it's still like, let's just say there's not like, like enough data out there, right? But there's a couple of folks like uh, Game of Wheels that, are are like serious in this in this space there's another one i can't remember the name uh which sucks because they did a demo for us recently but i can send that to you uh after i have when i check okay. my inbox but there's there's some tools where if you put the sdk in uh they, they actually help you uh improve your they help you optimize your monetization based on player behavior uh and reduce churn as well uh, re reduce churn increases monetization uh over over time so uh anything you can do to optimize your play engagement you will usually help you with monetization yeah I've, I've had doran on from game of whales and essentially what they allow you to do is run a ton of a b tests and he kind of mentioned this too it's like look with monetization we have no idea what's going to work and so we this platform they've got a ton of great apps allows you to sort of a b test different things too to go you know i do want to talk about this i interviewed crossy road creator Matthew Hall and he talked about like I was like hey how did you think about monetization early on and he was just like look I cared about retention that's all I care about if people came back into the app I knew that I would eventually figure out how to monetize them do you still have a similar mindset as you start thinking through like new game launches and new game ideas through your vast game industry knowledge yeah so so uh, I 100% agree if they stay they will pay Right. Uh, I've, I've monetized in games myself, but it was rarely as soon as I, I joined. Uh, in fact, the people who monetize like as soon as they join aren't the ones you want to count on. It's the ones who stay for a long time uh, because those are the ones who are going to sustain your your revenue base. So the, the retention mechanics are very important uh, and thinking about because I think it's tricky to think about, oh, how are we, how we going to monitor? How are we going to hook people and and uh, trick them into pain? Uh, but that's, that's not, it will rarely be sustainable, right? And when I say sustainable, I'm talking about for years, like years to come, not just like a, a fast follow or something that's just going to last for a few months and then the buzz is gone. But you want to do something that the monetization, monetization should not be a secondary, it shouldn't be after, an afterthought, but the retention should definitely be more important than the monetization because the monetization is heavily dependent on the retention. So if you do something that 
itself will, will catch people and keep them, that's great. But do not forget about your monetization hooks because you can have a great game, a lot of users, high retention, and no money, you know, little to, little to no money, right? Uh, I've seen that before. And, uh, and that's usually because of the lack of, like I said, monetization not being like a strong thought from the get-go. You know, I do want to move on. I do, I do want to talk about retention monetization here a little bit. You know, you said you're a gamer. You love games. Are there different tactics that you've seen that like most gaming companies, not even most, but that maybe is the most commonly overlooked retention tactic from a gaming perspective? The most commonly overlooked tactic from a retention standpoint. Uh, I, I would say, and I hate to say it, but with mobile, uh, I would say lack of push notifications. I think of, you know, I have like over a hundred apps usually, and I cannot go to every, all of them every day or every other day even, um, or even every month. But if there's something that's interesting enough that comes up, uh, then I will come back, right? And then when I come back, I see what, what else is new, if anything, or at least like I'm reminded to continue my experience. And, and that's where live operations comes in again. Uh, when I worked at WB, uh, I was there for three years. And one of the things that we did uh, to pull people back in was uh, put new champions or new challenges into the game. So it's like, a, it's a very simple thing. Like every, every uh, two weeks or so, release a new character. And uh, when a new character comes, announce it. Guys, you know, the, the, the Scorpion, the Netherworld Scorpion challenge is up, right? Come, come, come uh, claim your character. And then retention just get, you know, like a lot of users come back and then engagement increases, monetization increases. So the, the, again, there's no, with, with mobile gaming, uh, if you want to have the most profitable title that you can, uh, you don't want to ignore live operations. Uh, in a rare case, you can do that, like with a flappy bird, where you don't have to change anything about that game. People are just going to play it every day and the buzz and the revenue and all that stuff. But that's an exception to the rule. I think for the most part, because of, especially because of how saturated it is now, you want to fight to be relevant. Uh, it's like, it's like, it's like being a musician, you know, you can be a great musician, but you can just like that, you can become irrelevant. So, but, but you have to keep coming, you have to keep coming hard uh, and reinventing yourself. So I think in the same way, um, one of the most underrated things, is having a, a scalable or consistent plan. L League of Legends has been doing this for years. I mean, almost oh, like over a decade now uh, of, of releasing new uh, characters or champions. Um, and, and whether it's a reskin or whatever, I mean, those are the details, but the culture uh, has made for a very loyal fan base. And I think in, in the same way, that's something that mobile can benefit from. Have you seen certain types of ways to ask? I know with games, it might be a little bit more difficult, but with like subscription-based apps, it's like like a meditation app. How when do you like to meditate? Okay, I like to meditate eight a.m. Can we send you a push notification? You know, that's when they ask, and it's the, always the right way to ask because I normally turn off all push notifications. But is it what's the right way to ask for push notifications for games? That's a, that's a good question. Uh, I think that the one thing that we see as a best practice now is is what you just said, like asking uh, rather than just like sending the native uh, uh, prompt for someone to allow uh, very crisply explain why you want to send them a notification. Right. Like, you know, uh, can we let you know about your rewards, for instance? Mm. Uh, can, can we let you know when it's time to unlock your chest or when you can get the new 
Exploding Kittens collection, collect, uh, collector's item cards or whatnot. Uh, if you appeal to something that you suspect a user might value, then there are more than, I don't know, maybe your chances increase by 50% that they will allow the notification. So that, that, that again comes down to thinking about retention. Like what, what do you expect in, your, in all your creativity will get someone to come back? Whatever that thing is, is going to be your biggest weapon in order to get them to even allow you to try to get them to come back with push notifications. Okay, Juga, I want to move on to the monetization side. So what's a commonly overlooked monetization strategy that you feel like, hey, people should be doing this? Sure. So uh, I studied what they call irrational behavioral concepts or IBC. Uh, it's like an, the economic uh, term of why humans are just irrational by nature. Uh, and it's, it's just like it's psychology, but the, the psychology affects the world around us, right? Even this Zoom platform that we're on does it, right? So I think in the same way, we can do uh, something similar with, with monetization. And in monetization, uh, communicating value, for instance, is something that everyone, most people do it now, I see, but a lot of apps still don't do it, you know, like, um, it, it, let's say you're offering like 100 coins, right? 100 coins for $5. Uh, you can offer 20 more coins and say 20% more, right? And if you just say 20% more, you give the impression someone's getting a good deal. It probably will not break the economy at all, but it will increase the conversion on that bundle. Uh, so little things like that, you know, and I, I think it's, um, uh, th that's like the theory of value perception. Uh, there's also called, there's also the theory of anchoring too, right? Anchoring is where you have like a thousand dollar bundle and people see it and like, oh no, I can never buy that, but I'll buy the hundred dollar one instead. You know, so just, just um, even though it's like a psychological trick, uh, I see it all the time where people see options uh, and, and they just know one, it's, it may be a good value, but it's too much for them, but it, it has automatically skewed them from the cheapest because people are cheap. <laughs> people like free by nature. So skew them from that to just a little higher. So your goal should, your, your goal, um, I, I mean, as you know, I think like 95% of people still aren't paying uh, for the most part on, on, on mobile games. So your goal is always really to get the non-payers to think like payers and not like cheapos. Mm -hmm. And in so doing, you know, you, you, you just have to employ some of these value creation uh, uh, methodologies that have been working for, for many, many decades. You know, I, I love that you said value perception because I never thought of a fancy term, but it's so simple, right? right? But we did this A-B test when I was at a different startup where essentially we said it's $25 for a month, $179 for a year, same thing, right? You get a little bit off. And then $199 for all this, a year for all this. And what happened was when we're just showing the monthly and yearly, it was like a 50-50 split. Now, obviously we want people on the year, right? So I made up a product and I just said, you know what? I'm going to make this yearly plan a little bit cheaper, and then just give the basics, right? And then because the value then becomes clear that, oh, just for 20 bucks more, I get all these other things, I'm gonna sign up for that. And that conversion, like tripled conversions, and it became an 80-20 split where 80% of the people were actually signing up for the yearly. So it has that huge impact with the value. And I'm so glad you said that. The I know that some of these game developers, they do these like starter packs and they, they use like huge promotion on these starter packs. Now, what's your... What's your take on it? Because I've seen nice revenue numbers from these starter packs, but at the same time, it might hurt your, does it hurt your LTV? 
So uh, I, I, I'm still in the camp where I recommend starter packs because I think it's a good starting point for people to monetize or to at least start to think about value in your application. But <clears throat> I mean, I always say that if all fails, you know, you can always A-B test to prove out your theory. So on one hand, okay, the, this cohort, I'm offering the starter pack to, on the other hand, I'm not offering the, the starter pack to this other cohort, you know, like what is 10% of your audience? So 50% of 10%, sorry, 50% 10%, no starter. Which one does better? I will bet that the one with the starter pack would do better, but again, it depends on, uh, it's, it's case-based, right? Because if you're offering value, uh, if, if a lot of the value you're offering comes later in the, in the, the user experience, then a starter pack may not work as well because it's like, wait, why did I buy this thing? And I haven't had to use it really uh, for the most part. So it has, to, it has to flow with your title. Like you have to be able to see what you could start to spend your soft currency on earlier on in the experience if a starter pack was going to make that much of a difference. The, you also mentioned about something, you know, in our pre-interview stuff, the low quality, a campaign that didn't work was low quality traffic and launching without server side receipt verification. What is this? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a very good point. I'm glad you bring that up. Uh, in fact, I, I can't, I won't say that that's one of the most overlooked things now, but it definitely was and might still be uh, for, as far as revenue goes. So of course, you know that many, many, uh, uh, Maybe mobile gamers still hack and, and get IP without paying for it. Uh, and the reason is because the, the app itself doesn't punish them or block these uh, fake IP transactions. So the way it works is that uh, I can try and buy an in-app purchase uh, and the, the developer can make it so that Apple, we have to verify the receipt with Apple or Google servers before giving the person what they want. If I just develop a game and put IPs there and then tie those IPs to the app store uh, and I don't set up the server side, the server to server receive verification, then people can just buy stuff and whether or not they really paid for it, they will get the item, right? So one of the, app, the titles that I worked on before, we, we, had, we didn't put receive verification and it turned out that 97% of uh, the transactions were, were fake. Meaning they, 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 the people got the item, but they didn't pay you the real, real money for it. Wow. Uh, and that's 97%. If we had received verification, it may have been only 50%. Who knows, right? Because people can still hack uh, ways around it. But I just said how, you know, th this game was making like $4 billion in IAP purchases, but only, only like a very small percent of it was actual dollars coming to the account. So imagine if uh, a little more of that was converted. So... Anyway, it's, it's obviously something that should not be debatable. If you're going to have IAPs in your game, have receive verification. Most, most, a lot of tools now uh, uh, have this service, like Adjust has it, uh, you know, Swerve, uh, Lean Plum. Like a lot of these tools already build this in their system. But whether or not you're, you're working with tools, it's something that you should consider even building on your own. Dude, or I had no at idea. least making sure you're using a tool. I had no idea this was even a problem. So I'm so glad that you brought it up because I always thought it was just, verified through apple like hey they buy it is it like are they are people getting around it by like some hack somehow because i thought it was just all through apple and then you hit confirm it's on your credit card but is there some hack to get around like getting in-app purchases without putting your credit card or like how does this even work yes uh so uh it's i mean essentially if i'm if i try to buy something uh 
Apple may, the, the only thing that Apple won't do is charge me, right? Because they could not verify the receipt. But it doesn't necessarily mean that I won't get the item. So it is a hack. I don't, I don't even know how to do it. I know, I, I, I Googled, okay, how do I get free credits in like Mortal Kombat X, you know, before? And you could, you see, you, know, you get the file and blah, blah, blah. But I think even so, uh, th there is a way that a developer can block those hacky purchases uh, by just saying, okay, you only get this IP item. We're, we're only going to credit you with this IP item if we validated your uh, purchase, right? Uh, and and you know, so, some 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 developers will like shadow shadow ban a player uh, for for getting these these credits, so they don't break the they don't like go off matchmaking and such. Uh, and some will just take the item or like not give them the item, right? But uh, it, it, I think it's pretty straightforward, you know, like App Apple and Google, they, they have receipt IDs for every IP per, uh, purchase. And you as a developer can say that I'm only gonna make sure that I, I complete the action for verified receipt IDs. Uh, verified receipt ID just meaning we were able to find this receipt ID in, in, uh, in Apple or Google servers. And they, those servers are publicly available APIs, so you know it's not it's not like it's not a mystery as to how to get it. Okay, I'm glad you brought it up. Okay, so a couple of things I want to move on to next, and then we can end with that are the must-haves for a successful gaming team. Yeah, so a successful gaming team, you gotta have uh, someone on the UA side, of course, because it's hard. I'm not I'm not saying you gotta spend like millions of a million to have a successful game, but you do have to have some kind of budget because if not, it's going to be hard to take advantage of not just get the visibility, but take advantage of a lot of the, the tricks that you can use to optimize your visibility, which is important. Uh, and of course, to get the best users in your app as well, like creating lookalike audiences and, and recreating new users based on the, the data from previous users. So uh, UA for sure. Uh, in fact, I may, I may go as far as to say that uh, a Facebook buyer, like someone who's really, really good with Facebook, because Facebook's the best source, I'm sorry. You know, it, it, so, someone who uh, knows the ins and outs of uh, Facebook buying for one, uh, and then someone who can think beyond just Facebook buying. You know, I, I think that's, so that's, our, that's a team of two UA people. Uh, then on the analytics side, uh, you know, you, you, you do have to have a data engineer, uh, which is the person who can put the SDK in the game, and then collect the raw event information and then just put it in the raw data warehouse. You know, it could be in Snowflake, it could be in S3 or Azure, whatnot. Uh, and then like the data analyst or the data scientist who's going to query that data, you know, build reports, communicate to the execs, communicate to UA, uh, and then just, you know, do all that magic. Uh, so I, I would say that's to sometimes you can find it in one person. Sometimes you can't. You need it in like numerous people. Uh, and then, of course, the product manager slash producer. Uh, who is, I always think of them as like the CEO of the game, right? Uh, the, the CEO is the person who's responsible for the P&L, like the profit and loss statement. So they're the ones who uh, will say, okay, well, this is, we, we got to have a plan to launch and then be successful. Uh, live operations calendar. This is what we're going to do for July 4th, for Halloween, for Thanksgiving, for Christmas, for President's Day, whatever. whatever however, they're, they're building out their calendar. I think that's important. Uh, you know, producer and a PM can be the same person. Uh, they don't have to be, especially if you're working with a, a third-party uh, dev. Uh, and then a game designer. You know, game designer is obviously the person who uh, makes sure that you have a balanced economy. Uh, they're going to be the, they, they would essentially think about how we can balance out pro, like game progress with, with 
economics, right? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Where what people can monetize on, how wh- whatever it is that they get when they they make monetization transactions, uh, and how 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 that's not gonna like because you don't want to pay to play, right? So how 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 that won't break the experience for uh, the user. So I, I think those are. I mean, I, I would start like with that as a bare minimum. I do want to add, you know, going back to the the UA side, creative is important. Um, creative, I've been told is like the most important thing when it comes to UA. So, you know, obviously you don't want like a, a good artist, like a good creative that can, um, you know, who knows how to put videos together uh, and can even do like just basic banner uh, and display ads. Yeah, I mean, the, the even at that event, everybody was talking about creative optimization, like every because everything's moving to more of a programmatic that Google, Facebook, they're all handling all the targeting for you, figuring out who the right users are, that it's now just like the UA role is sort of like, all right, I'm going to figure out what types of creatives, how can I be creative in a sense right. of showing the right type of content? Cool, man. Right. Hey, is there anything I missed that you want to make sure we cover? Uh, let's see. I think I've, I mean, I've talked about more, more or less like the end to end plan, but uh, I think it's important to know that uh, it's, it's, this, this thing is fun. If it wasn't fun, then I wouldn't have been doing it over 10 years. So uh, I, mean, I do love it. I think it's important to not just think about, uh, I call it fast follows. I'm not going to say the name of this company because I'll be putting them on a serious blast, but they, they're like just in it to make money. I mean, uh, there's very little creative, creative juices. They watch what's successful and then just try to mimic it. Uh, I can never work at a place like, you know what I'm saying? Like that, that's, uh, to me, that takes the fun out of, uh, of, of what made this industry, what it is. So I think it's always important to have that heart of, uh, I'm working on something that I enjoy or that's fun or that, that sincerely brings original joy to the lives of people and, and then put the best, build the best practices around that. Like, don't, don't just like be an artsy fartsy. This is what I want to do. Like it's a business, you know what I'm saying? People got to get eat. So think of the best practices that are tried and true and apply them to what's being built. Uh, and then that's, that's obviously how this, it's going on a hundred billion dollar industry like soon. Um, it's going to be a hundred billion dollars a year in revenue uh, in no time for mobile. So it's, uh, it's clearly not done. It's, it's in, in some ways arguably getting started, but there, luckily for us, there's a lot of science behind how to continue to keep it growing. Um, it's just making sure to balance out those two things, like the art and the science part of it. I love it, man. Well, Chuka, this has been absolutely amazing, but let's go to the big finish. Give us one app besides exploding kittens and diversity that we should definitely check out. <laughs> Does it have to be a game? No, it could be anything you want, man. Okay. Uh, it doesn't have to be a game. Hmm. All right. Wait, did you, was this one of my prep questions? It was, but <laughs> uh, it was, uh, darn it. I can tell you what you wrote. Huh? What, what did I write? Please. Cause IMDb. I, I mean, okay. That's all I was going to say. <laughs> uh, yes. IMDb. IMDb is, I'm, I'm a movie buff, you know, like I, I, I've been, I don't know many people who've seen more movies than I have, but, uh, it's, I live and breathe, uh, by, by IMDb and movies in general. Uh, anytime my internet's not working, IMDb is always the first website I check to see if my internet is, is it my internet or is it like there's, uh, like, like when, when our call dropped, the first thing I did was go on IMDb, uh, to make sure that it wasn't me, but I, I go on the app all the time, uh, because I can, I can find out about movies coming out or the ratings or, you know, just get nerdy information on, uh, the, the, the trivia that I wanted to learn about it. But that's, that's just me. Obviously that's selfish. 
What's a movie that you can rewatch like a billion times? Snatch. Uh, it's a movie with uh, Guy, you know, Guy Ritchie, one of his first movies, Brad Pitt's in it, uh, Jason Statham before it became big. Uh, it's just like a, a very funny, fast paced, uh, you know, hour and a half, two hour, like, yeah, it's, it's, it's good. Uh, it came out in 2000 uh, and it's one of my favorite. But if I can name three others, obviously Black Panther is one. Uh, the Dark Knight, you know, he pledges Dark Knight. That's another one. And I'm just a big fan of Avengers in general. So Infinity Wars is my favorite. Infinity Wars and Civil War. Uh, really? th- those are yes, yes. I know I'm that guy. So <laughs> Infinity Wars and Civil War, uh, I could do all the time. And then Thor, Thor Ragnarok, and uh, Winter Soldier, I would put on the other two. And game, then we could start talking about Endgame. Man, I yeah. felt like the Infinity War Endgame was like way too long. I was like, just as I like the Car- Captain Marvel. I watched it with my kids, and I was like, this is actually pretty impressive. But Endgame was so freaking long. I was like, oh my yeah, yeah. End- Endgame was long. Infinity Wars was like I, maybe half hour shorter. That I can do right. uh, for days. But Endgame, I, I can't watch Endgame. Like I've only watched it like a handful of times. And, uh, <laughs> That's a handful more than it. me. <laughs> <laughs> All right, yeah. man. Well, what's a lesson? It doesn't have to be business related, but what's a lesson that took you the the longest to learn? I would say, speaking from my entrepreneurial side, because I think my entrepreneurial lessons have taken more years than any lesson I learned in, uh, in gaming. But uh, from an entrepreneurial perspective, uh, two things I learned. One is that your like business, you know, exactly what I shared for gaming. Uh, as an entrepreneur, you cannot not think of the business side of things. You know, you got to think of how this will appeal and grow as a business, not just the idea that you have. I wish I learned that sooner. Uh, and then also the importance of, uh, of user experience, you know, like, focusing on making sure you have good UX and UI for whatever it is that you're building. That is crazy how, how underestimated that is. So if I, can, if I can go back to day one of working on diversity, I think those are two things that I would have, uh, I would have sooner factored because they can cost a lot of time and money over time. That's awesome, man. Well, the app, the website is diversity.io and the game that Chica works on as well as head of analytics is called Exploding Kittens. If you haven't played the board game, it's super, super fun. Kids will love it as well, but there's an app version as well. So check out Exploding Kittens. Chuka, if the audience wants to follow up with you and send, do you want to send them anywhere else? Uh, yeah, I mean, my LinkedIn works, Chuka Ikoku. Uh, I'm the only one in the world, thankfully. So I'm easy to find. And I can also be reached at chuka at diversity.io, uh, diversity with a C.io. That's my email. So chuka diversity.io or uh, my LinkedIn. Uh, and I'm happy to connect with anyone as long as they're not trying to sell me something. If you just <laughs> want to talk, if you want to get advice, whatever it is, then let's talk. But I'm done buying stuff at least like for the next year, like 2020. So, uh, you know, but either way, I'm always happy to make new connections. Unless it's movie related, right? Yes. Oh, yeah. Unless it's movie related, then yes. <laughs> well, Chuka, man, thank you so much for taking the time doing this. I'm glad we got to meet you in person. I'm so glad that we could finally do this. But thank you so much for coming on and doing this. No problem. It was my pleasure. And again, sorry for the, the, the delay. Uh, like I said, you brought it up. See, I said I won't bring it up anymore. <laughs> I'm just getting ahead of the, I'm getting ahead of the ball. So yeah. Well, good stuff, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, I appreciate you, man. And thank you all for listening. I appreciate you, the listener. Thank you all for listening. I'll see you on the next chat. Hey guys, if you've been enjoying the podcast, do me a huge favor. Please leave a rating and review within the Apple 
podcast app, iTunes store. You know, as app developers, reviews are so important. Ratings are important. It's the same thing for podcasters as well. So I'd greatly appreciate it if you go to appmasters.com slash iTunes, appmasters.com slash iTunes, and leave some feedback for me. I really appreciate it. We've been stuck at 100 ratings for quite some time, and I know there's a lot more people listening to this podcast. So do me a solid and go leave a ratings and review. It doesn't have to be five stars, just your honest opinion about the podcast. All right. Thank you so much. Peace out. Thanks for listening to the App Masters podcast. For show notes and amazing app marketing content, check out appmasters.co.